0: What's up, everybody? It's Greg, and here's what's coming to the Popping Collars feed in the month of November 2020. On the flagship Popping Collars podcast, we're talking religion and politics. On take two, Kyle Goodman returns to look back at the Marvel movie saga. Betsy and I wrap up the year of 1989 Oscar movies with a conversation about When Harry Met Sally on Going on 30, The Sacred Six arrives at the episode of Star Trek with the most famous kiss in television history, Plato's Stepchildren. And finally, you asked for them to return, and we delivered. Liz and Ricardo are back with a new episode of the PC Book Club. Thanks for listening, and keep those collars popped. I am Greg. And I'm Betsy. And this is Going On 30, a popping color side project where we have what she's having. Oh, no.
1: (laughs) You and Rob Reiner's mother. Excellent. Having what she's having.
0: (laughs) That being movies that were nominated or should have been nominated for Best Picture 30 years ago. This month, looking at the beloved, the genre-defining when Harry met Sally.
2: Men and women can't be friends because no man can be friends with a woman that he finds attractive. He always wants to have sex with her. So you're saying that a man can be friends with a woman he finds unattractive? No, you pretty much want to nail him too.
3: Greg? No, I don't like to eat between meals.
2: I'll roll down the window a faceless guy rips off your clothes and that's the sex fantasy you've been having since you were 12 exactly the same
1: well sometimes I varied it a little which part? what I'm wearing
2: you tell her about other women yeah like the other night I made love to this woman and it was so incredible I took her to a place that wasn't human she actually meowed you made a woman meow? are you comfortable? sure to talk. What happened? What's the matter? Harry came over last night. I went night. over to Sally's last night. Because I was upset that Joe was getting and married. one thing led to another. And before I knew it, we were kissing. To make and a then long story short, we, we did it. it. They did it. You're challenging. I'm difficult. I'm too structured. I'm completely closed off. But in a good way. And I'm gonna be 40. <laughs> when? Someday. In eight years. It's not the same for men. Charlie Chaplin had babies when he was 73. Yeah, but he was too old to pick them up.
0: I have a brief synopsis of this movie, Betsy. Would you like to hear it? Yes! 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 Is that
1: the right
0: answer? I was wondering if you were going to try it at some point on this show. I mean, Harry and Sally debate whether men and women can really be friends during their travel from Chicago to New York. Eleven years later, they're figuring out if friends can really be in love
1: oh greg i enjoyed that that was nice <clears throat> at the end did you write that or did you get that from someone else
0: greg knight original greg knight original tried to steal one didn't come through so had to write my own
1: i like that i like that
0: really Betsy, like what is your history with when harry met sally
1: Men, boys, when I was in my twenties, would sit around campfires and quote Caddyshack.
3: Mm -hmm. I could sit around
1: a campfire and quote When Harry Met Sally. Yeah. So this is one of those. I were you watching it again? All the exchanges are there. It's just you know you run into it on TBS on a weekend and you are watching it. It is just classic. It's it's almost one of the it's one of those movies too that a lot of people can just agree on. We're going to watch this. Mm-hmm. and and it's got some some things in it for other people and the fact that there is so much of i think the male perspective in the movie that that allows in that guys would watch it too and that even though it is considered a rom-com because rob reiner's influence on the film is so great and his friendship with crystal is so strong that that element is in there too and it all kind of works. what about you oh yeah
0: Did not see When Harry Met Sally when it came out. I was aware of, like, the big pivotal scenes, right? Because especially, like, um, the orgasm scene, which would have been, like, I would have been on the young side for appreciating it. But it was such a big pop culture thing that you had to know about it, like, when the movie came out. But I would say by the time I got to high school... Like I was watching this movie on the regular. You have a great time. You hum along with Harry Connick Jr.
1: I mean... an Hour
0: and a half later, you're in a better spot than you started. What are your hot takes on this movie?
1: The nostalgia factor on this movie for me is that when I watched it in high school and felt like I was more mature than I probably was, not just because I understood what the orgasm scene was about, but it's watching two people... To watch them, this whole kind of life and universe of living in New York, which at that point I'd never been to New York, it felt mm-hmm. very much like, oh my goodness, I could live in New York and I could have an apartment and I could be getting a Christmas tree, and I could, you know, go out to lunch with my friends and have a job, and it was this whole kind of world. And they, and of course, they film in these beautiful locations all okay. around. It's very much about, yeah, you know, the city is a character in the movie and they actually was looking up the uh my random imdb facts and they said that they actually chose incredibly beautiful sites and locations to be ironic with the lack of insight that the characters actually had about what was going on in their relationship (laughs) which i thought was kind of a funny a funny set 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 idea inside the story but i think i really thought that this is what being an adult was going to be like oh yeah now watching it now it's like and that that also means like liking Harry Kind Junior. and knowing Louis Armstrong songs, and going to fancy New Year's Eve parties, and like yeah. this is what adults do.
0: I'm glad you brought up New York because that actually ties to probably my hottest take uh, that I wrote in my notes, um, which is Nora Ephron is greater than Woody Allen. Oh,
1: Greg, yeah.
0: Because it's hard not to compare because, you know, if you're talking about snappy dialogue in movies set in New York, like that, that's Woody Allen's territory. And I would put this movie up against any Woody Allen movie. I would, I would put this up against Annie Hall in a heartbeat. And Nora Ephron comes through on dialogue, on, on just how well it's written, how well-shaped the characters are Do you
1: you hear that little plop plop sound i think it's someone's egging your house like uh, awesome people who have gotten past and decided to love woody allen's work for its work and not for the behavior that he exhibits those people are so angry right now
0: woody allen is a whole thing right and not this isn't a woody allen Show, but it's hard to not think of Woody Allen when you have two characters walking through yeah. Central Park with like the leaves changing in the background and some of the you know kind of fashion Meg Ryan's wearing with the hats and yep. stuff like that. It's it's hard not to think about it.
1: There was even though Efron is really she's credited with the whole script. She, there's no co. There's no nothing, but it does sound like Rob Reiner and Billy Crystal's relationship their own personal friendship, and Rob Reiner himself as a depressive, right, mm-hmm. is influence. And what I love about Efron is, is that she pulls from the people that she works with, mm-hmm. from actors that she regularly collaborates with, and directors, and weaves them in. I mean, her own neur- neuroses around ordering, that's Nora Ephron mm-hmm. as a person, you know. Evidently, there was a moment when she was on an airplane, and she ordered a drink, and somebody sitting next to her asked her, Have you seen When Harry Met Sally? And because that is how Efron ordered ordered fit. I mean, she really is just an MVP and just gone too soon. You know, just she's just an amazing talent as a writer. And 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 I think the movie made me a little bit sad because it was the yeah. first time I'd watched it, I think, since she died.
0: You know, you talked about the collaborative nature of Nora Ephron and the actors and stuff. And I think Rob Reiner naturally as an actor himself has kind of a collaborative nature as a director. So for instance, the uh, fake orgasm scene, uh, Ephron and Reiner had had that specific conversation before about like Rob Reiner had said to Nora Ephron, tell me a secret that women know that men don't know. And she said, well, women have faked orgasms with people. And Rob Reiner said, well, not with me. (laughs) No one's done it with me. And so they put that whole dialogue that they had in the movie. And then it was Meg Ryan who suggested, you know, I could do that on screen. And so then Efron thought, well, where's the most incongruent place that you could do it? And that would be in the middle of a packed restaurant. And then Billy Crystal came up with the I'll have what she's having line. Right. And then Rob Reiner said, oh, it'd be great. My mom could do that. So it was like this whole, like, that's what this movie feels like. It feels like, oh, I'll throw in my piece. And I'll throw in my piece. And I'll throw in my piece. And and I think the whole is better because of all of those really good parts.
1: And I think that's how it feels like it creates a world. A world that as a younger person I was looking at, like, ooh, I want to be with someone who's funny like that. Yeah. I want to have friends who are like that. And and just the the whole the whole Pictionary thing is all improv. Baby
3: monkey, fish
1: a
2: monkey, mouth. A monkey see monkey do. It's, a, it's an ape, going ape. It's a baby. Planet of the apes. Planet of the apes. She just said it's a baby. How about planet of the Dopes? It doesn't look like a baby. Big mouth. mouth big, baby uh, Mick mouth. Jagger is a baby. Baby ape. Baby Stop um, ape. Stop with the apes. Would you uh, please? Baby's breast. Ba- baby Rosemary's baby. Baby mouth. baby. Won't you come home, baby, build baby? Baby, baby kiss baby, the baby. baby, baby Melancholy baby fish, babies, uh, mouth. Baby fish. Baby b- fish mouth. F- baby F- F- baby fish mouth. 15 seconds. A big uh, baby. B- b- baby, mouth. B- baby boom. Baby. Draw something resembling anything. Baby. Oh, A baby. crying baby. Kiss ba- ba- the baby. Uh, baby spitting up. Exorcist baby. Dying. Baby. Yes, sir. That's my baby. No, sir. Don't mean baby. That's it. Time's up. Baby talk. Baby talk. What, what, what's that? That's not a saying. Oh, but baby fish mouth is sweeping the nation. I hear him talk them
1: talking. Yeah. And so, yeah, you feel the collaboration on that. I think, especially for those of us who, who are extroverts, who live the world, kind of wanting to connect with other people, the connectivity of the movie really sucks you in.
0: So we've been talking about a bunch of scenes. What's your best scene from the movie?
1: Yeah, just the walking around ones really yeah. got me. You know, the... The one, the one, especially with the fall leaves, and she has the hat on, and they're in, you know, the park, you know, and they're talking about what sort of sexual fantasy dream you've always had. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's one of the shorter ones, and she's like, well, you know, sometimes it varies, and he's like, how, you know, what I'm wearing, you know, <laughs> it's just this. <laughs> So good because it's it's actually more the smaller scenes that I like as opposed to the more larger pivotal scenes. Yeah, the New Year's party.
0: Mine is definitely the four-way phone call.
2: Hello. I'm sorry to call so early. Are you all right? No one I know would call at this hour. I did something terrible. What did you do? No one I know would call at this it's hour. It's so awful. I need to talk. What happened? What's the matter? Harry came over last I night. I went over to Sally's last night. Because I was upset that Joe was getting married. And one thing led to another. And before I knew it we were kissing. To make and then a long story short. We, we did, did it. it. They did it. That's Great, Sally, we've been praying for we it. We should have done it in the first place for months. We've been saying you should do it. You guys belong together. It's like killing two birds with one stone. It's like two wrongs make a right. How, How was, was it? It? The during part was good. I thought it was good. But then I felt suffocated. But then I guess it wasn't. Jesus, I'm sorry. The worst. How did he get out of there? He just disappeared. I feel so bad. I'm so embarrassed. I don't blame you. That's horrible. I think I'm coming down with something. I think I'm catching a cold. Look, look, it would have been great if it worked out, but it didn't. Mm. I should never go to bed with anyone when you found out your last boyfriend is getting married. Who's that talking? Who? Is that Jess on the phone? It's Jean Fonda on the VCR. It's Brian Campbell. Do you want to come over, over for breakfast? breakfast? No, I'm not up to it. No, I feel too awful. Good. good. I mean, it's so early. But call me later if you want. I'll call you later, okay? Okay, bye. 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 God. I know. Tell me I'll never have to be out there again. You will never have to be out there again.
0: They did actually do the dialogue that way. So they had to film it. With everybody doing their parts, you know, on the out, on the right beat at the right time. But it's got so many. I mean, I think that you're totally right. It's the it's the little lines in this movie that just crack you up. And um, and for me, it's the Bruno Kirby like no one I know would be calling at this hour. Right. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: I think I've used that line in my regular life because it's just so delightful.
1: But yeah, it is. It's the little lines. It's the little lines that, you know, like when they're on the airplane and she's like, you know, you look like a normal person, but really you're the angel of death. And it's just
0: like one of my favorites. (laughs) That's going to actually segue for me into best performance. Okay. Which I'll steal by saying Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan's my
2: favorite in this. So how come you broke up with Sheldon? How do you know we broke up? Because if you didn't break up, you wouldn't be here with me. First of all, I am not with you. And second of all, it is none of your business why we broke up. You're right, you're right. I don't want to know. Well, if you must know, it was because he was very jealous and I had these days of the week underpants. I'm sorry, days of the week underpants? Yes, they had the days of the week on them and I thought they were sort of funny. And then one day Sheldon says to me, You never wear Sunday. It's all suspicious. Where was Sunday? Where had I left Sunday? And I told him and he didn't believe me. What? They don't make Sunday. Why not? Because of God.
0: I I love the range that Meg Ryan has. There's this really nuanced thing that she does where she, you know, in any other... Movie. It feels like when you make a character order food the way that she does, it automatically makes them an unlikable character. But she actually makes it lovable. Like, she makes all this fastidious stuff really lovable. And I think that that's not easy to do. Like, it's not easy to be, like, this fussy character that's really likable at the same time mm.
1: and she really she started campaigning for this role they really like initially was gonna go to like molly ringwald and Oof. i can't imagine molly ringwald in this. she does do some of the things that actually i do like about what melanie Griffith doesn't working girl is that there's a physicality at w- what she does with sally you know because she's also acting with somebody who is um, almost about the same height that she is as well but mm-hmm. like when she walks like She'll slightly, at least towards the beginning, especially when she's in that transition from college Mm -hmm. to five years later at the airport, like when they're walking on the moving escalator and her nose is just slightly lifted in this Mm -hmm. very snooty posture. And she actually does in her physicality loosen up, even though her character would argue that she has never changed. Right. Which I think is funny as well. But I agree with you. I think that she's the MVP. Uh, I think the, I think a couple of the wigs could have been better. Yeah. Uh, but especially Billy Crystal's wig at the oh my god in the opening, not good. But, you know, we're trying to we're trying to age this man down a great deal. But I really think she carries the day. Yeah. And I love that mirror between the restaurant scene at Katz's to to the diner they stopped at on the road trip they do a good job with that in the, you know, we've talked about aging acting on the show, of Morgan Freeman and driving with Daisy. You know, this is not a movie that I would point to as a great example of that, but they did. It's pretty
0: good. No, but, but but at the same time, this is a movie about adults dealing with adult issues. Mm -hmm. Um, and that seems to be such a rarity, like going into this moment and then actually coming out of this moment. It's like, um, You know, thirty years on, and all the top movies are about like superheroes, and you know, it's it's like adolescent.
1: Well, and it's also a portrait. A lot
0: of of movies are about you know these days.
1: It's about mental health, even though it doesn't necessarily Mm -hmm. hit that over the head. I think I realized it more this time in the rewatching that when they're talking about his grief and they're talking about you know that idea of moving on from people or you know that you know it's not that they didn't want this they just didn't want to do it with me mm-hmm. and his depression and how that kind of you know he has like one of the most gorgeous apartments in the world in New York City and here he is all sad and there's no furniture in it you know it's like this you know the lives that we build for ourselves and that we you know keep them unfurnished with yeah. with some of our our grief but I think that I didn't realize that until I watched it again.
0: Uh, I do have some stats about stats, the movie.
1: Stats, 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 to stats, stats,
0: stats. For the next year's shows, we'll have like a big stats sound effect. Stats theme song sound effect. That'll be, yeah, be great. Yeah, be great. Yeah, next year. Stats about the movie. This movie opened on July fourteenth, nineteen eighty nine. Nothing yes. says Fourth of July. <laughs> Like Nothing says Bastille Day.
1: Fall-oriented movie. <laughs> okay.
0: Domestic gross of ninety-three million dollars, making it the number twelve-grossing movie of nineteen eighty-nine. Not bad.
1: Not bad.
0: Not bad. Uh, it is the number eight hundred and twenty-first top-grossing movie of all time. And you're going to have to buckle up for this. Triple oh, feature. no.
1: triple feature. OK, I'm because ready.
0: One of these things is not like <laughs> the other.
1: <laughs> OK, I'm ready.
0: Because when you watch When Harry Met Sally, you were sandwiched between Red Dragon.
1: What is that? Oh.
0: That's the remake of Manhunter. When they went back and to make it with Anthony Hopkins instead of Brian Cox. Right. right. So Red okay. Dragon. And then you've got When Harry Met Sally. And then on the other side of When Harry Met Sally, you've got The Town. Ben Affleck's The Town.
1: Oh, no. On the other side of
0: you. So you've got Serial Killer, (laughs) genre-defining rom-com, and then Boston Heist movie. (laughs) What do these movies have in common is my question to you. (laughs) (laughs) When Harry Met Sally has a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. I would actually think it would be higher. That's a good score, but I would think it would be higher. Roger Ebert says, what makes it special, apart from the Efron screenplay, is the chemistry between Crystal and Ryan. And he gives it three out of four stars.
1: Okay. hmm mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: Pauline Kale had no review of this movie, and I think we are now exiting the Pauline Kale. Zone. I think that she's done as of 1990. So we say au revoir to oh, Pauline Kale. Had we started creepy. this podcast 20 years ago, we had a ton of Pauline Kale.
1: We would have. Well, that means that means that we're gonna need to get another female reviewer.
0: Yeah. Who do we? You know. Yeah. We'll have to kind of figure out who's that female voice that we want. Kind it of could be friend for. of the
1: pod, in Hornaday.
0: Yeah, when does Anne start writing? That's a, good, that's a good question. I'll have to start looking up Anne's stuff and see when she starts writing. Right. That'd be awesome. Um, but that's a, good, that's a good call. How did it do with the Oscars? It obviously did not win an Oscar. However, it was nominated for
1: one Oscar. Betsy. The category I want to put it in that we have so far in the course of this series that there are now 15 movies nominated for Best Screenplay is the way this feels right now. Just I saying, think
0: every movie we've talked about, it feels like has been nominated, <laughs> nominated for
1: best screenplay. And this is still before we're dividing it up, right?
0: No, it, we have been dividing it up.
1: Okay, yes. we have adapted so versus. We have original? been doing
0: adapted and original. Yeah.
1: Okay. Okay, I think I'm learning something about the Academy over the courses. Mm-hmm. So this would be, I'm saying, best original screenplay. Am I right?
0: Ding ding ding! ding best ding. original screenplay. Nora Ephron. Come was it wigs,
1: Was it wigs and eyeshadow? No. I know it's New Year's Eve. I know you're feeling lonely, but you
3: just can't show up here. Tell me you love me and expect that to make everything all right.
2: It doesn't work this way. Well, how does it work? I don't know, but not this way. How about this way? I love that you get cold when it's 71 degrees out. I love that it takes you an hour and a half to order a sandwich. I love that you get a little crinkle above your nose when you're looking at me like I'm nuts. I love that after I spend a day with you, I can still smell your perfume on my clothes. And I love that you are the last person I want to talk to before I go to sleep at night. And it's not because I'm lonely. And it's not because it's New Year's Eve. I came here tonight because when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. You see is just like you, Harry. You say things like that and you make it impossible for me to hate you. And I hate you, Harry.
3: I really hate you.
0: Let's talk about the legacy of this movie. And I don't think we have to go super deep about this movie, but I do think, I have been saying that this movie defines a genre. And I've been hard-pressed to come up with an example Of a rom-com that's like this Mm
3: -hmm.
0: prior to the release of When Harry Met Sally. Now, we talked a bit about this last year when we talked about Working Girl. And I remember us saying on that pod... I wonder what this movie would look like if it was a Nora Ephron movie instead of a Mike Nichols movie. Yes. Like what would, how would it feel different? When Harry Met Sally feels very different for me from Working Girl, even though they have a bit of the same components, it's like they're lined up differently. And so I feel like when Harry Met Sally is the first rom-com as we know it, which is stories about comedic romantic stories about adults because we have something like this with the teen melodramas in the early 80s right so like your 16 candles and your um you know just john hughes stuff right Right. like that has that kind of feel to it this is the first like adult rom-com and coming after this you're gonna have a ton of these. Well, and have, like... I
1: think without the because Working Girl also has a has kind of a Cinderella coming up. There's a fairy tale quality that's more present, I think, in Working Girl than mm-hmm. is in this movie. So that has a lot more. There are other tropes that you're playing on in Working Girl. I also think if we're looking at things from the male gaze versus the female gaze. That dynamic shifts as well because of the presence of Efron versus Nichols or, you know, whatever you're going to look at. But that, as I said before, I think we're looking at some of the archetypes that are present that are created in this movie. The the best friend for each of the two members of the of the of the couple, the the city in which they are in playing a role. Because if you look back then at Efron's other movies, it's not like she's super New York centric. She's centric and she makes the towns that she's doing movies in the character, right. Mm -hmm. That if you think about like Sleepless in Seattle or, you know, something else that she's, she, uh, she's so versatile. It is, it is, it's, it's the comedy aspect that's in it. Cause you could look at say the movie heartburn Mm
3: -hmm. about
1: her own life and, you know, Washington's a character in it and all this kind of stuff. And it's based off of her own relationship with uh with bernstein but that that is not a comedy <laughs> right. and, and there are comedic parts because efron embraces that life is full of tragedy and comedy and it's all of it together mm-hmm. and but this is really genre defining yeah i think it, even if though it's by a person who is very malleable in how she would involve herself in different genres too
0: you know, what's the difference between this being what I would call the first rom-com and Working Girl? Is that Working Girl was ultimately about, you know, business and yeah. getting ahead and how to the establish 80s, your career.
1: power structure. And- right.
0: And this movie is about relationships. And every movie that's a rom-com that comes after this is about relationships. You've Got Mail is about relationships. Yes. Uh, while You Were Sleeping is about relationships. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's sort of the defining factor for me as far as like what a rom-com is. Like your characters have to be talking about how they relate to each other. I'll throw this out though. Is When Harry Met Sally the best example of the rom-com genre? Like is that, is it the standard bearer?
1: I feel like it is. I think then you put that genre in the hands of people that are not as skilled writers and it can become poorer versions of itself. You can do little twists and things on it, but there is a core here because this is stripped down to mm-hmm. so few actual actors. I mean, this they they did take one Harry Metzali and, and put it on Broadway, uh, right. or at least on the stage. I think Alison Hannigan, somebody else, starred in kind of the first run of it. Uh, Molly Ringwald, I think, actually came in and did the... Did the second run, but it's like there is no elements of this that feel a little bit like a play, too.
0: Yeah, I have written a question here. I don't know if it's answerable, but I'll ask it anyway. What what happened to the romantic comedy? Why isn't it a thing anymore? You know, why is it? Why is it only or or I guess I should say, why is it only a thing on Netflix? Why is it only like always be my maybe?
1: I don't know. I think you're right in terms of what makes the money. Rom-com starring Thor is going to be better. And so smaller platforms with perhaps better scripts, that ends up being a better marriage, a more realistic marriage of resources than, than a big studio going for something like that. And I think the element, too, we keep questioning does somebody have to end up with somebody to have it be a good ending? And I also see us confronting that sort of relationship trope that Sally didn't need to get married. She wanted to get married. She wanted to have a family. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like we then also had Sally's mother as like a person in the film. Who's like riding her daughter to get married. And I want a grandkid and we don't even have any of that stuff in here either. But I think romantic comedies with, younger female writers and other folks coming in and saying, well, you know, do you actually have to end up with somebody to have that be a six, to have that be a, a rom-com? Yeah. You know?
0: If you take this movie's premise at face value, these characters would never get together. Like right. they're, they're not supposed to get together. That's kind of the point of the movie. Um, but you can't, you can't get that ending past a test audience. You've got to.
1: Well, originally they weren't supposed to end up
0: together. Right. Right. But, but that's not going to be a movie that everyone loves. Like, everyone loves the movie where they get together at the end. Yes. Well, except that, you know, it's funny that they use Casablanca as an example in this movie. Yes. Because that's the one sort of shining example of characters that don't get together in the end. And, and the film's a classic. And the film's a classic. So maybe I take that back. Maybe they shouldn't have gotten together. I think the romantic comedy is a genre that really appeals to a wider fan base. It's it's a it's a monoculture kind of gambit. The- well, do you
1: think that a, a movie like, because I look at the now creators who were raised on these movies, like Mindy Kaling, mm-hmm. and, and I don't know, do you think Love Actually would never have been made by a studio nowadays and it would be a Netflix special, <laughs> you know?
3: I don't know. Maybe.
0: I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, the answer to all of your questions is money, right? So right. crazy rich Asians made money. Yeah. So there's no reason why this genre can't make money. True. Sure. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I feel like when Harry Met Sally creates the genre and then you think, boy, this this is a genre that can print money. And here we are 30 years later. And no, it's it's gone. It's done. Whatever it was.
1: I, I still disagree with your, it's done. No, okay. Maybe done in the <laughs> ways. Maybe it ran I'm just
0: saying the there's no romantic comedy that's going to be in between Red Dragon and the town. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Fair point. Fair <laughs> point.
0: Uh, Betsy, classic going on 30 question. Who is this movie for?
1: Boomers! Really? i think so boomers but you want their kids to want to watch it too a little bit of that like you know but i think i think if you look at the issues that they're going through the age that they are this is your or maybe it's more your generation jones your barack obama later boomer Mm -hmm. generational sub subgroup right? Mm-hmm. They're going through divorce, they're going through friends getting married, there's this back and forth. They don't have that huge debate about their career or relationships that that, even though Bruno Kirby at one point is like, says, you know, I finally, you know, why are you taking me on this date to like meet this Sally person? Yeah, I've finally gotten to a point where i realize realized it's just me and my work. You know, <laughs> I think it's for people who might be interested in living in a more, the fantasy of living in a more urban environment the yeah. fantasy of having very interesting friends. <laughs> the, not that you're not interesting, Greg. You're very interesting.
0: <laughs> I wrote down hopeful adults. I think it's for like yeah. hopeful adults yeah. because I think that I think that there's a way of watching and certainly I watched this movie as a teenager and was enthralled by it. All right. But there's a way of watching this movie now that I'm like, oh. I can I can appreciate this a little bit more in the sense that this isn't how this isn't how life works. No. It's a hopeful way
3: (laughs) of how life works.
1: Well, in the little the chapter the chapter closers or beginners, however you want to look at the older couple interviews, Mm -hmm. it's it's people who have grown up hearing those stories from their elders. Yeah. Of love or we were only we knew each other for two weeks and got married. You know, you're raised on those stories, but you know the dating world is more complicated than that.
0: Right. And all those stories are about how those couples met each other, right? right. And, it's like, and meeting stories are rarely that compelling. Right. That's the yeah. meeting stories that we hear. Well,
1: couples. and it also, it was an odd moment, too, watching those interviews. And it actually took me to... Interviews with Holocaust survivors for some reason. That was another thing that I thought of. So it was like this, this love and tragedy kind of playing out, you know, that life is up and down. And yeah. I think this movie is embracing that life is up and down mm-hmm. as well and that it isn't all sunshine and roses. But we're not kind of dwelling in either area too much. So it feels much more realistic in a Hollywood kind of way.
0: What is your rating for this movie out of five?
1: I am going with Roger Ebert, and I'm giving it a 4 out of 5.
3: Okay. Yes. Okay.
0: Why, why do you dock it a point? Like, uh, what, what makes it a 4?
1: Uh, I think some of the acting could be a little better. Some of the, you know, delivery could be a little better. But what, What? you know, gets me out of my mire of 3.5s, which I'm kind of living in this season, there's lots of 3.5s, is just the, it's the script. It's, it's Ephron 100%. Like, she... Right. Does it? I think Rob Reiner's hand too. That I can't. I can't underplay that either.
3: Mm-hmm. Just
1: his his feel for this as a project for himself, and I think coming off of The Princess Bride and having this be one of your next movies is an interesting choice. And the fact that he'll go mm-hmm. from this to misery, like,
0: right? Whoa. Yeah. Well, like, he. It's it's funny. It's funny that's actually kind of a mirror because he goes from Stand By Me. Yes. To. Princess Bride, and then from When Harry Met Sally to Misery. Yeah, yeah. So,
1: so this really kind of feels cool. like an interesting passion project in the midst of some other genres he's having fun in.
0: I think what I love about Rob Reiner is that it's clear that he's willing to get out of the way as the director. Like, he doesn't need to be the end-all be-all. It makes me think that probably it was a really great thing that he worked with Christopher Guest on Spinal Tap mm-hmm. early, early, early on. Was yeah. that his first movie? I think doing spinal tap informs the way that he directs movies moving forward.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was his first movie. He'd done a couple of TV movies, but yeah, spinal tap, the sure thing with John Cusack and then stand by me, princess bride. Yeah. yeah, What about you? What do you rate it? I give it a
0: five out of five. You gave it a
3: five I'm right. such a
0: sucker. I'm okay. such a sucker. I've, been, okay. I've been doling out fives all over the place. I know. You know, I would dock it half a point, and then I would think to myself, like, why am I doing that? I right. love this movie. What What am I doing? I right. can't nitpick this movie. This movie's great. Uh, what I wrote is, uh, this movie is Fantastic. And it holds up better than almost everything that we've watched this year. Like, I could watch this movie a hundred times. Like yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. The cast is delightful. The writing is stellar. The direction feels collaborative. The whole is made up of very good parts. My honorable mention for best scene was every scene in the movie. Just, <laughs> right. So, like, they're all fun in, yeah. in some kind of quirky way. So. Yeah. Last question. Last question. Over 1990. Why did you nominate this as a Best Picture nominee? I'm glad you did. Thank you. But I wonder why you did. You.
1: I nominated this because of the staying power of the movie. But it's really... And that is because of the script. Because of how it is written. How it is delivered. And it does have a bit of that nostalgia factor in it as well. But that this really... Is I, I, I enjoy the thing that is the archetype, the creation of the archetype,
3: mm-hmm. and then
1: tracing that through other things. I think it's the sociology major in me that enjoys doing things like that. And so this feels like the, the beginning of something.
0: And yeah. That's,
1: that's why I nominate.
0: Very good. Yay. I like that. <laughs> well, Betsy, we have no more movies left oh. for 1990. We have made it through all 10. Movies. We only did five last year. We doubled. We doubled it up. Double Amazing. Up. But we're not done yet. No. 1990. No. Because the Oscars have had their say. Betsy and I have had our say. And now we turn it over, good listener, to you to have your say. Um, you will have seen featured on our website and our Facebook page and wherever we can post it a survey for the best of the best of 1990. We have so many categories. We have a category for best actor and best actress. We have categories for best picture.
1: I'm just giving you some dramatic music in the background,
0: Greg. (laughs) I don't want to talk over it. We have a Hall of Fame where whoever gets voted into our Hall of Fame will then be removed from consideration for future awards. Yes, sorry. Um, We have so many categories. Best trailer, best opening song to our podcast. So go to poppincollarspodcast.com. Go to uh, facebook.com slash poppincollars. Check your email. We may have emailed you the survey. And see um, what it is that you like, and vote for it. And next month we will reveal the results yes. of our survey in a special going on thirty Oscars party, nineteen ninety style. It's gonna be awesome. Lots of I mean
1: nineteen ninety style, yeah. The- Lots
0: of baggy jeans.
1: Well, no. Now this is a particular '80s '90s turn. Like, I gotta. I'm gonna have to look up some pictures from the 1990s Oscars uh, yes. to really kind of get down what yes. the styles are. I can. I'll, we maybe we'll put up some some dressing.
0: We'll, we'll give uh, you some fashion tips yes. So, yes. for what you can wear to our Oscars party. Yes. Uh, but it's a great way to end the year. Looking back over what it is that we've talked about, low these 10 episodes. Thank you for following us the whole way. Yay! And on the other side of our Oscar party is 1991, the Oscars of 1991. <gasps> Get ready for some mob-tastic movies. <laughs> yep.
1: This is how we're going to move some people out of being nominated in categories.
0: <laughs> we're yep. going to go from rom-coms to the mob pretty soon. So
1: Interesting to see what the world was interested in at that
0: time.
1: <laughs> Very interesting.
0: Betsy, thank you for strolling through a leaf field central park with me.
1: Greg, I would buy a Christmas tree with you any day. <laughs>
0: And we will see you next time for our big Oscars party extravaganza.
3: Bye!
2: It had to be you It had to be you I wandered around And finally found the somebody who Could make me be true Could make me be blue Or even be glad just to be sad Thinking of you Some others I've seen